It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, we take another look at the news that Steve Nash is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, other coaching changes around the league, our picks for which coaches or which types of coaches should step in, and then the NBA playoffs and all the excitement we've seen in the first two rounds so far. All those details and more right here on Locked On Wizards with OJ Spivey, founder of OJS Media, working with the undefeated and word radio, who has been covering sports and culture for 15 years, joining the show. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday, and welcome to another edition of Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington, and joining me, we've got O.J. Spivey from Philadelphia area. He's been covering sports and culture for 15 years with The Undefeated, with Onward Radio, and the founder of OJS Media. Welcome, O.J. How are you? Hi, Renee. Thanks so much for uh, having me on. Great to be on with you. I'm happy to have you here, and I'm definitely excited to talk through your initial thoughts when the news dropped, Steve Nash would become the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, the coaching search has been going on for a while now, since back in February, we know that interim coach Vaughn was stepping in for Kenny Atkinson after Atkinson was fired. Not really sure who was going to be the full, stepping in as fully as head coach. News broke. It was Steve Nash. Your initial reaction as soon as you heard that. So, so many levels to this, right, Renee? Uh, well, my, my first, my initial reaction was actually tweeting it, you know, with, with the two eyes, you know, the side eye. I was like, wow, this is a surprise, a surprise to everyone, even uh, people who cover the NBA on a regular basis. It was a surprise to 99% of them. Um, but my, my uh, opinion, and especially uh, after some time thinking about it, uh, Brooklyn Nets, they needed to make a splash uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, they are sisters to the New York Knicks. No matter how bad the Knicks are, uh, the Knicks are always news in the New York area. Uh, so the Nets had to make a splash for uh, the first reason. And second reason also is you had to have a coach uh, for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Um, but I do question it, the question of move uh, for the most part. 
because Steve Nash has never had any head coaching experience. Um, naturally, point guards are coaches on the floor. I get that. Um, but there are a lot of other qualified coaches in the NBA. And again, they just they needed a name. And obviously, uh, his relationship with Kevin Durant uh, back in Golden State and directly uh, probably helped with that hire. And I did read some read some literature stating that uh, Steve Nash initially did not want to get into coaching. It just was not his thing. But obviously, uh, the Nets brass convinced him uh, to take the job. And again, it's a it's a big splash. Uh, it's a big name. And, you know, uh, Steve Nash is a Hall of Fame player, of course, but that does not uh, necessarily that doesn't necessarily turn over to being a good coach. And in fact, mm -hmm. history tells us that great players rarely become good coaches, great coaches, let alone good coaches. So it's a big risk. Uh, even though it's a big name, it's a big risk on the Nets um, stamp from the Nets standpoint. But we'll just see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I think something that you said that really stood out to me that I noticed as well is the fact that Steve Nash almost had to be forced to take this job. And, you know, signing a four-year contract to become a head coach, I don't know. I mean, I haven't talked to him personally, so I can't say from, you know, from our conversation that this is what, I'm, what he's thinking. But, you know, having worked with the Warriors for five years as a player development coach, it didn't seem as though he wanted to make this move into head coaching. And there are coaches that are all around the league in assistant roles that have been working their way up to become a head coach. And I know that, you know, hey, as someone in media, we see this all the time. Former players step into roles as analysts, as coaches, as, you know, broadcasters. They step into these roles, which makes sense having had that experience to play in the game at the highest level. But in this situation with the Nets, you know, it's tough because you can't really afford to get it wrong. Now, what does help is having Kyrie and KD back, hopefully healthy next year will definitely change things. But we also know that Kyrie and KD Although Kyrie being a point guard, so he'll, she should be able to relate to Steve Nash and Katie having worked with Steve Nash in Golden State, they should have that rapport there. It should be a good fit. But we also know those two have had some history in the past with not always getting along with their teammates, with their coaches, specifically Kyrie Irving. The last few teams he's been on, there's always been a little bit of a uh, struggle there for the coach to really be able to rein him in. Do you think Steve Nash has the ability to lead especially these two all-stars, to the level that they should be able to, to play at along with a, a Nets team that has to get over the hump? Yeah, it's an excellent question, Renee, and it just remains to be seen. We just don't know. All that we have to go by is uh, him, him being a player development coach in Golden State and his years as a point guard in the NBA. I mean, mm -hmm. he does not have a, a winning pedigree. He did win a lot of games in the regular season in the playoffs. But, I mean, you're talking about a player – who has never made the NBA Finals. And I believe you may have made the Conference Finals once or twice, even if that. So there's really no championship pedigree uh, coming from Steve Nash. And again, uh, what, you, what we both mentioned, Renee, is he almost had to be enticed or coerced uh, to take this job. Um, did they throw a bunch of money at him? I don't see the numbers yet. Uh, we know it's a four-year deal, but we don't know actually know what he's gonna be making Right. Uh, right away. So it has to be a money thing um, if he had to be enticed to take this job. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's something that you're right. We haven't seen the bottom dollar yet. We know a lot of a lot of decisions, a lot of things that go on 
money's pretty much usually a big factor. So, you know, we'll see what that, what that contract is looking like. But as you mentioned, there's still a lot of unknowns because of the fact that Steve Nash hasn't been in a lead assistant coach role or, you know, for a number of years, and we haven't really seen what he can do. So, you know, I think from the standpoint of he's a a former, he's a Hall of Famer, he's a former All-Star, he's obviously a a big-name player, and as you mentioned, him being a point guard, and I even talked about this on our Thursday show, he reminds him like players like Chris Paul, and there are certain guards that over the years really were like a coach on the floor. But it's it's so different when you are now the head coach of a team, not even assistant coach, head coach of a team where the the decision-making falls on you. So we're not unsure, so but I think yeah, solely on him, people. right? It's, yeah, yeah go ahead. exactly. And it, it it's so many red flags with this move. Although um, the NBA brass and most people are saying, "Hey, it's it's uh, he's well deserving of the move uh, uh, of the of the job," I should say, and he may deserve it just as much as any other first time head coach. But again, I go back to the track record: great players do not pan out as great coaches. Um, we've seen it with Magic Johnson. Um, we've mm-hmm. seen it uh, with other players in the NBA. We've seen it all across sports. Um, you know, they, what is his patience? What's the threshold for his patience? We see over the years that great players don't have a lot of patience because they expect average players to be as great as they were. And again, it could be a recipe for disaster. It remains to be seen. And I'll also go back to the Brooklyn Nets just trying to make a splash uh, because uh, one, uh, being sec- playing second fiddle to the Knicks all the time, uh, and again two, they had to get a, a superstar, uh, so to uh, so to speak, to coach Kyrie Irving and to coach Kevin Durant. Because I mean, it, you look at the NBA as great as great a players as Durant and Kyrie Irving are, uh, they have just as big egos as two. So that's going to be mm-hmm. another tough thing. It's how does he handle personalities? How does he handle egos uh, from a coaching standpoint? And I know you too, Renee, has covered sports for quite a while. And, you know, you, you've been behind the scenes. You see what it takes uh, to be a head coach. And you're managing different things. Um, and it's much more than just being a point guard on, on the floor uh, as you were as a player. Yeah, and this is not the first time the Nets have had a former point guard step in as head coach. Jason Kidd. So we'll see what happens here. I mean, I, I do wish the Nets... Great example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish them all the best of luck moving forward. But, you know, sometimes the flashy names in that sense aren't always the ones that are going are gonna to solve the problems for you. It's more about the chemistry and being able to manage personalities. And you're managing adults. It's not like you're coaching kids. You're managing adults. And these are, as you mentioned, all-star personalities, some rookies, some younger players, role players. There's all these different pieces that you now have to manage. It's a little different when you're on the floor able to lead through your play, lead through, you know, being vocal on the floor versus being the one that is the, the leader of the locker room and the coach of the team. So it's going to be very interesting to see how this pans out because there are definitely some coaches whose names could have been thrown into this opportunity and given this chance. And I want to get your takes on those as well. So definitely looking at the rest of the league, I want to talk more around the other head coaching opening positions. So coming up here on Locked on Wizards, we'll talk about that with OJ Spivey. Fellas, I know talking about erectile dysfunction probably isn't easy. Usually you may just brush it off or blame yourselves, saying things like you lost your mojo or making excuses like you had a long day at work or just avoiding it altogether. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. 
With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple too. Just go to roman.com slash locked on NBA and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash locked on NBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com slash locked on NBA. Getroman.com slash locked on NBA. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. OJ Spivey joining me here on Locked on Wizards, who's been covering sports and culture for 15 years on Word Radio with the Undefeated and founder of OJS Media. We were talking about Steve Nash, the news breaking that he is the new head coach of the Nets. Well, there have been some other insane head coaching changes going on. Not surprising, I will say, though. So I definitely want to get your takes as we have a large pool of coaches that are available. And I'm going to just put you on the spot here a little bit and get your thoughts on which coaches you think or even coaching personalities make most sense for these teams. And because you're from the Philly area, let's get started with the Sixers. After seven seasons, Brett Brown is out, no longer with the Sixers. Definitely the timing is so right as the Sixers have underperformed year after year in the postseason specifically, and it's time for a new voice in the locker room, and it's time for a new voice to lead this team. Who do you, do you have a candidate in mind that you think best fits? And if not, what type of coaching temperament best fits with the Sixers? Well, this is a tough one uh, because you have to have you have to have somebody who's going to come in and not necessarily be a disciplinarian, but they have to get the most out of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. These guys are perennial all stars now, uh, yet they're still very young. I know people don't want to hear the youth factor, but they're what 25, 26 years old, respectively. Um, but they're at the point where you have to take them to the next level. It wasn't going to happen with Brett Brown, great guy. A good coach also, um, but um, they have to take it to the next level some type of way. And the name that still that keeps uh, floating out there is Tyron Lue. It seems like it's just a matter of time uh, before this deal is finalized, unless someone else comes out of the blue, like we saw with the Steve Nash uh, signing. 
uh, in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, I expect that to happen for the most part. Um, if not, I don't know where else the Sixers turn to uh, because who wants this job? Um, the Sixers front office, they're still in a bit of transition, even though Elton Brand uh, has had two years on a job. They're still getting rid of uh, Brian Coangelo's guys. He wants to put a stamp uh, on this organization himself. And that's pretty much why he is uh, still in the position, even though they were bad moves last year, the big contracts with, uh, with Al Horford, uh, with Tobias Harris. Um, but I do think uh, he's going to get it. Brand is going to get a chance to salvage this, but he has to get the head coach position right. Um, I also don't think there is a great pool of head coaches out there for any team. Um, but if Tyron Lue is their guy, they have to get him and secure him. Um, there were rumors before mm -hmm. that Tyron Lue was going to go to Brooklyn. Obviously, that didn't happen. So Philadelphia should be next in line for him. And I know he's eager to get back in the coaching ranks. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think there are some names that are sticking out. And I do think it's a very diverse coaching pool. And something that is really standing out to me is the fact that we have a coaching pool of former players, women in Becky Hammond, all different races, all different backgrounds. Like it's a it's a very diverse group that I do think it is time for some new faces to get opportunities because we do often see some coaches that kind of just get moved from one team to the next not doing well and still giving those chances, why not give it to someone else? So I do, I, agree, I do agree with you, excuse me, that the Sixers need to bring in someone that can really manage and also get this team to the next level. They have all the pieces. There's no reason why they shouldn't be a top team in the East. And you, there's no reason why they still should have this question mark around if Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons can play together. You've got to figure that oh, out. Ab ab absolutely. And I know uh, some fans here in Philadelphia are saying, oh, you may want to trade uh, one of those guys. I don't agree with that. I think another head coach deserves a shot at uh, taking these guys to the next level. Give a new coach maybe two years or so and see what he can do with those two all-stars. And if it doesn't work after that point, then maybe you can revisit uh, breaking it up, uh, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. Well, over in Indiana, Nate McMillan, after the Pacers had what I thought was an exciting run in the NBA restart, of course, they got swept in the first round to the Miami Heat. You know, I felt like the Pacers with an injured Victor Oladipo, no DeMontis bonus, and having TJ Warren, who was out of his mind and blew up in the bubble, seemed like they were moving in the right direction. So as news broke, I was surprised. You know, I was, I was not expecting that whatsoever. Um, so I'm definitely interested to, if you think that they made the right decision firing him. And if so, or either way, because it's, it's done, um, who do you think really makes most sense to come in in terms of what the Pacers need as a coach? I, like you, Renee, was surprised, very surprised as well to see Nate McMillan fired at Indiana. Um, he's a great guy. I think he's a quality coach in the NBA, an NBA lifer. Uh, another point guard uh, who's become a head coach. I do. I'm old enough to remember his playing days in Seattle and in Indiana. Um, but yeah, I was really surprised. Um, you do look back at his uh, career playoff coaching record. It's not necessarily good, but I thought he was the least of Indiana's problems. You mentioned uh, they had an injury Victor Oladipo for a good amount of the season, and then the restart. You know, just to try to have him back and everything was a was a blessing and. You know, as we're now seeing, being swept by the Miami Heat, that's really not so much of an embarrassment. 
No. Uh, at this point, we we see, you know, at the time of this, how they're handling the Milwaukee Bucks uh, so far in the second round. Um, but it, it was really surprising. And uh, you mentioned a name earlier. And I think someone like her, uh, not only being the first uh, woman head coach in the NBA, I think she would be great for this job because they have a good foundation with Oladipo, uh, with Sabonis. They have the, uh, a couple of the young guys there. I, f- I forget the guy's name who were who killed the Sixers uh, earlier this season TJ back in the uh, right. TJ Warren, exactly. Thank you. So uh, you know <laughs> they have a good foundation uh, in Indiana, and I think someone who is experienced and of course learned from the great great Popovich. I think she's ready. Uh, of course, she's qualified, and she would be a perfect candidate, I think, for Indiana. But um, you, you never know as far as uh, what their move was when they fired Nate McMillan. Would she want to go there uh, with that? But, um, you know, that, that's a name that sticks out to me more than anyone else, more than any other assistant. Uh, you have Kenny Atkinson out there. Uh, you have Sam Cassell out there, uh, Mark Jackson. Uh, who's, you know, been a broadcaster for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a lot of these people deserve to have uh, head coaching jobs. But um, the one person that does stand out for me in Indiana would be a Becky Hamm. That would be a great hire. That'd be a great fit. Well, there's one more that I want to get into. Um, of course, there have been other coaching changes, but I think this one is one that also surprised me to sense that after five seasons, he just had one season left on his contract, Alvin Gentry. Fired from the Pelicans. Now, don't get me wrong. The Pelicans, much like the Pacers, overall over the years, their record was not incredibly um, encouraging. But you look at the fact that they had an injured Zion Williamson, I feel like he never really got to get going. It was beyond him. Much like Victor Oladipo being injured was beyond Nate McMillan's control. Without Zion out there, it changes the team versus if he was able to play and not only played 19 regular season games and then was still dealing with, you know, restricted minutes in the restart. It's a different group, but they did fire him. And even Alvin Gentry was saying he was surprised by the the news that he was fired. Surprised here. And, you know, your thoughts on what the Pelicans need moving forward, because they've got a young group that if they're able to get Zion Williamson healthy, maybe slim down a little bit, able to, to change some things about his game. I'll just say that. I think this group is, is, is a young team that can be one to watch out for moving forward. Maybe not next season, but in the future. Well, Renee, I actually wasn't surprised at this move um, because of a couple things. Uh, Alvin Gentry, he's kind of been of a journeyman uh, head coach. Uh, many times he's been an interim head coach, and it's, it's not necessarily fair to him um, that he was fired. He probably maybe deserved another year uh, to have a full season with Zion Williamson. Um, but if you look at the structure of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, at this point, uh, they have former uh, GM, former Cleveland GM David Griffin in that position now uh, in New Orleans. And I pretty much think with this one, he just wants his own guy uh, in that position. Um, mm. And this is where perhaps a Ty Lue, uh, they may steal, um, they may steal uh, him from. The Sixers, we, we, we don't know because, of course, they worked together and won a championship in Cleveland. So that's probably an X factor to, uh, for Tyron Lue to maybe go there as opposed to Philadelphia if he sees it's a better situation. But I think New Orleans probably has um, one of the best foundations 
uh, yes, best young foundations in the NBA with Zion Williamson, as you mentioned, and also uh, Brandon Graham, which I think turned out to be a, a pretty decent trade. Also, uh, Ball as well. I think that was a pretty decent trade that they made with the Lakers, and it may not come to fruition right away, but I think over time, as those guys begin to grow, they need a head coach in there to grow with them, and they're probably looking for someone a lot younger too uh, to um, grow with those guys as they become a playoff team and perhaps an elite team in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that, as you mentioned, this is this is a team that we're looking at developing for a few years down the road. And as you mentioned, having Zion Williamson, I love that you said Brandon Graham, such a Philly fan, such an Eagle, just throwing Brandon <laughs> Graham in there. Um, but sorry, no, Brandon, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and Lonzo Ball, you know, they have some young players that are really still figuring their, their way. And three years, two, three years from now, this could be a playoff team if they are able to stick together and, and bring in the right coach to really be a team that can take their lumps as they did in the restart, learn from them and be a team that's competing for a playoff spot and in playoff contention that maybe fast forward few years they're similar to what the nuggets are right now in the playoffs um a team that just has been there grinding it out each year but i do want to get your thoughts on the playoffs because it's been exciting it's been insane there's been some draw dropping moments some whoo some sweeps just a little bit of everything so coming up we're going to talk nba playoffs It's time to get into the NBA playoffs. OJ Spivey here on Locked on Wizards with me, founder of OJS Media, who's been working with the Undefeated with Word Radio and covering sports for 15 years. Well, OJ, playoff time has not disappointed at all. In the first round, we saw some sweeps. uh, Sixers uh, had a struggle in round two, but that's okay. At least they, they, um, excuse me, in round one. But, you know, we saw how that's worked out. They're going to be better next year. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted Caramel, yes, caramel, not caramel, and peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com and try the best-tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you, from me to you, you will not regret it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Let's talk playoffs. We've got OJ Spivey, founder of OJS Media, who has been covering sports and culture for 15 years, working with the Undefeated and Word Radio here on Locked on Wizards. And OJ, let's get into the playoffs. The first round did not disappoint at all. It was worth every bit of what we've been waiting for. We saw some sweeps. Unfortunately, as a Sixers fan for you, saw a sweep, a sweep with your Sixers getting knocked off by the Celtics in round one. And then also we've seen some game sevens. The Rockets Thunder, the Jazz Nuggets, incredible performances, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, just out of this world basketball. And this is what we've been waiting for for the last four and a half months. And so I'm definitely interested as we are having this conversation and looking into round the second round for the playoff matchups. Watching the Raptors, they just won over the Celtics to close that gap and make it a 2-1 series with a game winner. You know, the Bucks are down 2-0 as of this conversation. The Clippers are getting started in game one of their series versus the Nuggets. Any surprises that you've seen so far from the playoffs in the first round and even in the opening games of the second series for those matchups that are there right now? Well, the biggest surprises to me, Renee, was just the three sweeps in the Eastern Conference in the first round. Um, did I think all of those series were going to be uh, overly competitive? No. But to have uh, three sweeps, in fact, almost four sweeps, because yeah. Orlando was able to steal one game uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks before they were eliminated, that was most surprising, uh, especially uh, with the Sixers. I know they did not have Ben Simmons, a little homerism there, but I expected them <laughs> to at least win one of those games. I expected Indiana to win a couple games. Um, and probably the least surprising of the East was uh, Toronto over Brooklyn. I, that that sweep wasn't really surprising to me. Uh, but on the other side, uh, I, I think we all got our money's worth in a Western Conference uh, to see two game sevens, a game six, uh, just basically every series, even the Portland and Lakers series uh, from that first game was pretty exciting. The Lakers kind of held their own after that, but for Portland to just win one game, uh, was very exciting. And to see the Rockets and OKC go to distance, uh, probably the Jazz and, and the Nuggets were probably was probably most exciting because it was just so much scoring. And you saw the youth of the NBA really come to mm -hmm. fruition and have coming out parties. Uh, we knew Donovan Mitchell was pretty good, but you know he's almost at that elite level now, even in defeat. You saw uh, the coming out party for Jamal Murray. Uh, who is, I think is a fantastic player who's only going to get uh, better. Uh, so, you know, we saw 50-point games uh, from those guys. So you, you couldn't help but uh, be excited about that. And as you move to the second round, uh, things kind of tighten up, uh, as we saw. Uh, it was good for Toronto to uh, get on the board uh, with now a 2-1 series against Boston. Uh, and we'll see the other games uh, kind of start as well. Uh, it will be interesting to see the Lakers and the Rockets, uh, Denver and, and the Clippers. Uh, I believe that's still going to be a good series. I think Denver can give them all that they, they can handle. I don't know if it'll go seven, but I think it'll be competitive as well. And I don't know what Milwaukee's going to do uh, with uh, Miami in the East. They got to get it together. But it's it seems apparent that uh, Eric Spolstra and his guys have a blueprint on how to stop the Milwaukee Bucks and, and Giannis, and we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, I, like you, was also surprised by the sweeps. I definitely expected, actually, the Magic to get swept, but again, they, they squeezed one win out. 
I was not surprised by the Nets getting swept, but I thought the Sixers, even without Ben Simmons, like you mentioned, would at least get to, to five games. If not, like maybe five, maybe be able to make a sixth game out of it, but I was not predicting predicting a sweep. And the Pacers-Heat series was odd to me because it didn't even feel like a sweep. It was very close. It was very intense, but the Pacers just could not find a way to win. And that also was a series I thought was going to go five or six because they do have a little growing rivalry there with their regular season tension that was there. So I expected that to be a better series. But in terms of the Jazz Nuggets, my goodness, that was without a doubt my favorite (laughs) series. I was – I honestly didn't even know who to root for. I don't don't have a a horse in that race. Um, So I didn't have any preference on who won, but I didn't want it to end. So when game seven happened and you see like an exhausted Jamal Murray and an exhausted Donovan Mitchell – I was like, guys, you see these two young guys after having 50-game performances between the two of them and just shooting out of their minds and honestly unable to miss, it seems like. I didn't want that series to end because it just seemed like both teams deserve to move on. Now, in terms of the Rockets, the the Clippers, those two specifically are two teams to me, and the Bucks. actually. I'll put them in that category. And the Raptors, actually. Those four teams, let me backtrack. The Raptors and Bucks out of the East, the Rockets and Clippers out of the West, to me, are looking the most exposed and the most beatable. And I know that specifically for the Bucks coming in, of course, they did like they have done the last couple of years. Best regular season record, clinching the East, number one team coming in. And then to me, they seem like out of the four teams in the East right now, the weakest. I think the Heat and Eric Spolstra are just lights out right now offensively, especially. I think the Raptors are going to drop this series to the Celtics. And then for the West, I just felt like the Clippers were exposed by the Mavs, who I keep saying this, but if Kristaps Porzingis didn't get ejected in game one, if Luka doesn't go down in game two, if Kristaps doesn't have a knee injury and Luka have another ankle injury, every game they were kind of bailed out. Now, I don't know if the Mavs could have won that series, but they made it very com- a very compelling argument in case that they, they could have at least possibly have won that series. <laughs> so for them and then the Rockets, yeah, a lot, lot of what us with that oh, with yeah. that series, and I, I would have loved to seen that uh, go go um, go to where perhaps Dallas yeah. would advance. Um, but I, I think you are correct to uh, where the Clippers might have been exposed a little bit. Uh, the Rockets are definitely exposed. Um, I've always been a critic of uh, Houston's style of play. I don't think no. it's championship caliber. Uh, you know, we'll see how they how they hold up with the Lakers. I, I think that's going to be a, a pretty short series, um, but. Yeah, you you would have loved to see Dallas uh, prevail. Uh, have Przingis not been hurt and um, Luca not not gotten hurt late as well. Yes, yes. I mean, I I was waiting for an upset, and it's not really an upset in that sense. Like, not at all. Yeah, they're the number seven <laughs> seed, but this is not your average number seven seed. But I was I was hoping they would knock them off because I think a lot of people have already put the Clippers on a pedestal, but they haven't even done anything yet. Yes, they have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They haven't won a championship. Looking at the, their past years, they don't have enough in, in their history to have that cockiness, like maybe LeBron does specifically for him. Correct. Or even, actually, I don't know, the Raptors are the only team coming off of a championship. No one right now that's in the playoffs should have a chip on their shoulder, but I feel like the Clippers do, and they need to be knocked down a pick. Yeah, and, and you, have, you, you haven't, as a team, you haven't done it until, you've, until you actually do it. Exactly. So it just still remains to be seen with the Clippers. Exactly, exactly. So now that we've seen the first round, um, I want to get your takes on who you think is winning each of these second round matches. All right, so we go down the list. I do believe that um, 
this is a this is a tough one, and I, I think this could go seven. Uh, once again, and I'm speaking of Denver and, and the LA Clippers, and it just all depends on um, how consistent uh, the Clippers are. Uh, and you know, they 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 can be they're known as underachievers. Like you said, I know um, Kawhi is there, um, but we we have to see we have to see them do it. And I, I think the X factor for them is Paul George. That's where the lack of consistency comes. Uh, what kind of what kind of Paul George are we going to see uh, game after game? And that's going to be important to them. And if they let their guard down against the Denver Nuggets again with um, with Jokic, uh, with Jamal Murray, uh, they have a great young nucleus, one of the great young teams uh, in the NBA. If Clippers aren't on their A game, they could very well. Uh, go home uh, after this series. Now, with the Lakers and the Rockets, um, I spoke on that earlier. I don't see that going very far. I see that as a five-game series where the Lakers prevail. I just think they're too big. They're too strong. Um, many people just say, well, the Lakers only have LeBron and AD. I mean, it's LeBron and AD. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't better buy those yeah. two guys. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're, they're superstars for a reason. So, and I know uh, Houston has played well against the Lakers back in the regular season, but we're in the bubble now. It's different times. You saw Houston hung on, uh, hung on to a thread against OKC. If it wasn't for a couple of mistakes that the Thunder did, Houston would be home too. So I don't see that being much more than a five-game series. Uh, with Miami and Milwaukee, I see the same. Uh, Milwaukee will be lucky to get a game um, against uh, Miami. They just have a blueprint to just beat mm -hmm. these guys. And it, it almost seems like Giannis is just going into a wall when he uh, goes inside and tries to score. Even when he does score, it's almost like, okay, we'll let him get his and we can just control the other guys. And we'll know Middleton uh, will be inconsistent from three. Uh, we know they won't get enough uh, from their role players on the rest of their bench and all of those guys. So um, you can't underestimate Jimmy Butler. Uh, the the impact that he has had with that Miami Heat franchise, he has seemed to be the uh, overall replacement for Dwayne Wade. I don't know how, how many years that's going to uh, prevail, um, but uh, he is their franchise right now. And uh, all of his teammates seem to gravitate towards him, kind of like what you saw in Philadelphia for that mm -hmm. brief moment. And you see how much the Sixers uh, miss Butler. So Miami, we could very well see them against Boston. Um, I did like Toronto to uh, go back to the finals, but after seeing them against Boston, even though Toronto won tonight uh, for the first time, Boston just looks too strong. And I hate to see—I hate to say this as a Philly guy, uh, this could be Boston's year, and it, it really hurts <laughs> me to say that. I, I yeah. truly believe that Boston could come out of the East because they're playing that well. Yeah, I've been saying Boston Lakers finals since about February, actually. I've been saying it, and I still believe it. And I'm believing it more and more every, every game I see. But I agree with you on a lot of those points. I think that with Patrick Beverly being back for the Clippers, that's going to be a boost. But I do think this is going to seven. I actually have no idea who's winning the series. I'd love – I just want the Clippers to get knocked off, especially because I want the Lakers <laughs> to come out of the West, and I think they match up better with the Nuggets. Um, so I'm not sure, but I think the Lakers went over the Rockets in five or six. I think the Celtics went over the Raptors. I think it's going to be like a five-game series. They'll be, they'll be lucky if it goes six. And then I agree. I think the Bucks at this point, they, they, they just can't get anything going. And I, I see this being a five-game series at max. But I think it's going to be competitive games. 
I just don't think all these series will go as long, except for Clippers Nuggets. I think that's the one that has the potential to yeah, go the that, That's the one to watch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where can our listeners follow you to keep up with what you've got going on? All right. So you can always follow me uh, on Twitter uh, at OG Philly and at OGS Media. And you can follow me at my brand new website uh, where I write here every now and then. Uh, just go to OGSmedia.com. Uh, that's brand new. And you'll be seeing some new things from me uh, very soon. But I'm on Twitter almost all the time. So you can follow me there. Ooh, some new exciting things. That's, ex- that's awesome to hear. Yep. Looking, looking forward that. to it. Looking forward to <laughs> a lot of content. And you'll see it soon, especially now that football season is coming up. But we'll we'll cover everything, football, basketball, baseball, everything. Very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you so much for taking time to join us here on Locked on Wizards. It's been a pleasure talking through the coaching changes as well as the NBA playoffs. And thank you all for tuning in to another edition of Locked on Wizards. Hit that subscribe button to keep up with our show each and every day. We'll be back on Monday for another edition of Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you back here on Monday. Washington. Out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.